Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 43, Wrestle War 1990. Whoa, whoa, wild thing. Wild thing. Uh, are you a wild thing? Yes. Yes. Okay. What's a wild thing? I mean, you just admitted to being one. Are you a wild thing? I think so. So you just admitted to being one too? Uh-huh. So what are we wild things about? Well, for one, I'm a fan of professional wrestling, which you can't teach. No, you can't. You can teach people how to wrestle, but you can't teach people why you like it. I mean, you can show them and be like... You can show them, but like it's... This is why I like it. But it's, yeah, you can try to, but it's very, like, people get it or they don't. I would say I'm a wild thing with my, like, cynical view of the world that I also, you know, try to keep positive... I only want to do for me, but I don't know the best way to do that. Okay, Terry. I am not nearly as sad as Terry Funk. But when it comes down to it, I'm a what what wild thing. And so are you. You just don't know it. Wrestle War 90 is the second annual Wrestle War produced by the WCW under the NWA banner. Mm-hmm. The event took place on February 25th, 1990. In home turf. Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. The attendance was 7,894 people. An ass hair under half of the amount of the Royal Rumble. Exactly. Which is kind of a shame. So some things that were happening around this time. Mm -hmm. The best picture was awarded to Driving Miss Daisy a few weeks later. All right, I've it beat out Dances with Wolves. Oh, okay, a movie that I think is kind of overrated. Good, it's very good. Very good. I think it's very good. I've actually never seen Driving Miss Daisy. Me neither. I have not. I think what Driving Miss Daisy was was about, the yeah. was the Green Book of the early nineties. Interesting. Choice. I mean, I mean, I'm just I'm just throwing I mean, shit out there. I don't know. When that I really movie, don't know. When Green Book trailer came out, it was like, oh, that's Driving Miss Daisy. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the song Opposites Attract by Paula Abdul <gasps> was the number one song on the Billboard chart. This the is the same one same weekend. This is the one with MC Scat Cat, right? It is the MC Scat Cat can we, video. Can we somehow get it like lightly under the intro? No one's gonna know. The song or the video? No, the song. I mean like, this is everyone audio. everyone should go watch the video. It's very funny. And it's and it's not funny like bad. The song's pretty good and catchy. I'll give you a three second count. We come together Okay, that's all the song you get to hear. Okay. But you, the audience, you should probably listen to it. More importantly, what happened on Wrestle War 
2, 1990. They didn't call it 2, but Wrestle War 1990, w- w- wild thing. The, so, one, the most important thing might be that intro song that I hope you've already heard and rewinded to hear again. So Rewound. video package with the wild thing rap starts us, and you heard that at the beginning of the show. Uh, and play, just play, like, it, play it again the whole show in the back. No, it's really short. It's like 30 seconds, but it's incredible. And the logo appears for us. Jim Ross and Terry Funk, mm-hmm. who's trying to outdo Jesse Ventura with flair. Oh yeah, he's got the like uh, the one long like earring. What, I call it the like thin Lizzie. I call it the thin Lizzie earring, but it's pretty popular with like people younger than us uh, that are that are alternative. They welcome us to the show, preview the matches, and then we go to Gordon Soley in the locker room with Teddy Long. Yes. Teddy Sugar Long. Ray Teddy Long. Yeah, he tells us he's not dancing Teddy Long. <laughs> no. It's Sugar Ray Long. Which made me think, oh, is he joining the match? I was like, I don't know what the match is. Yeah. I, I assumed that it was going to be like him versus... Him and the Skyscrapers versus well, no, the like him, Warriors. Him versus... Uh, what is this? Paul Ellering. Yes, Paul Ellering. The, the most forgettable manager. You with forgot it, about him. Yeah, exactly. But with, like, I was like, oh, is he going to have a... Is it going to be like a Paul Heyman, Jim Cornette thing? Because that's what they kind of set up here. Uh, he, Teddy also lets us know that Dan Spivey is injured, so we won't be able to wrestle. How bummed are you about that? Uh, Heard. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. But Teddy has hired someone to take his spot. I wonder who it could possibly be. wonder exactly. So we head off to our first match. We got Kevin Sullivan and Buzz Sawyer. Versus the dynamic dudes of Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't seen Buzz Sawyer wrestle since Great American Bash 1985. Oh, wow. Way back in episode four. Yeah. Damn, it's been that long. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I know Buzz Sawyer, but I was like, yeah. It's like, I was trying to put an, my finger on like how I know Buzz Sawyer. And it's just from that early show. Now, he did come to the ring to brawl with the Andersons during Starcade 89. So, like, our last WCW show, he was on it, but yeah. he didn't wrestle on it. But, like, I imagine between now, between then and now, he probably did a lot behind the scenes or, like, or like you know, television and, like, touring work. And Kelvin Sullivan, this is the first time we've seen him since Great American Bash 1989, which was episode 31. And who's... Pull the curtain back. Who's booking it this time? It's not Kevin Sullivan. I know Kevin... I don't think it is, but I know Kevin Sullivan is... I think it's Ole Anderson. A early WCW booker. I think it's Ole at this point. Okay, cool. Because it doesn't make sense based on what I know about Kevin Sullivan booking the way this show goes. No. The dudes come out. They actually get a pretty good pop. Yeah. I I was actually kind of surprised. For good, they deserve a bigger pop than Sullivan and Buzz Hoyer. Oh, definitely. The match starts, we get Sawyer running the ropes, Ace with a leapfrog, a monkey flip, and a drop kick to send Buzz to the floor. Johnny jumps over the top rope to hit a Pescado on Sawyer. Right off the top. While Shane and Sullivan brawl on the outside. Douglas comes off the top rope to hit the held arm of Buzz with his crotch? Yeah, it wasn't a great, wasn't, wasn't a great shot. Sullivan with an Irish whip of Shane to the turnbuckle, but Ace jumps on the corner to soften the blow. Yes, I kind of like this. I thought it was interesting. I didn't quite get it at first, but then I was like, 
that's it's weird but it's kind of cool it's like oh well it's not the turnbuckle which we all have been predisposed to thinking the turnbuckle is hard and gonna hurt you but he you know puts his body there to like soften the blow for his buddy early on i i thought it was pretty cool it's a nice like is a like half save it's like it still hurt but it all he also took damage from it because somebody ran into him full force which allows Douglas to fire back with kicks and slams Kevin's head into the turnbuckle. Ace gets backed into the opponent's quarter, but he fights them off to escape, causing Sullivan and Sawyer to get upset with each other with Buzz slapping Kevin. Yeah, that was a crazy way as well. It's like, you guys are already fighting each other? I know. We're like a minute and a half in. Buzz Irish whips Johnny to the corner, charges in, but Ace moves, causing Sawyer to get... Posted! Douglas with an arm bar on Sullivan. Kevin yanks him out of the ring and goes to attack Johnny, while Buzz hits a vertical suplex on the floor to Shane. Mm. Once back in the ring, Sawyer with the belly-to-belly suplex, a gut-wrench suplex on mm. Douglas. Sullivan tosses Shane to the ropes, who comes back with a sunset flip. Kevin tries to stay up, but Douglas finally gets him over for a near fall. Buzz jumps in the ring with an elbow to the small of the back, a bear hug, but Shane escapes with right hands for a moment, only to be taken down with a clubbing forearm. Sullivan tries for an Irish whip that is reversed, but Douglas charges in only to receive a boot to the face. Kevin with a cheap shot to Ace, which brings him into the ring, occupying the ref, allowing Sullivan to toss Shane over the top rope to the floor. Sawyer starts attacking Douglas on the ground, kicking him in the back before rolling Shane back into the ring. Kevin goes with a bear hug, rams Douglas's head into the turnbuckle. Buzz continues the bear hug until Shane begins to fire up with his right hands, crawls between Sawyer's legs to make the hot tag. Ace in with right hands to both men, drop kick to Buzz, body slam to Sullivan, another drop kick to Sawyer. Douglas hits a drop kick on Kevin. Johnny with another drop kick to Buzz. Man. Ace jumps up on Sawyer's shoulders to hit a head scissors. But he slips off, allowing Sawyer to hit a snap suplex. Buzz then goes up to the top rope and hits a jam sandwich. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. For the pin and, and the, the wind. wind. Yeah. Yeah. Fun yeah. opener. Great opener. Great opener. Super, super good opener. In a show, put some cards out there that's all tag matches. It's a good way to start a show full of tag matches. With a show full of tag matches. Matt, but Matt's Missy mad about Hi- this. I know Matt likes tag matches. These are good tag matches. Missy Continue. Hyatt in the back with Norman the Lunatic. Oh, is he crazy? And Norman gets a hug and a kiss for luck from Missy. Mm-hmm. And creepily tries to get one more kiss from Hyatt, but she turns him down gently and just sends it back to the ring. Well, uh, Norman says that you look like my sister, but she's much bigger. Can I get a hug and a kiss and then one more? And then Missy Hyatt looks at the camera and says, I was saved by the bell. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. So we're off to our second match of Cactus Jack Manson. Uh, from Truth and Consequences, New Mexico. Versus Norman the Lunatic. From the State Hospital. And we have with s- stuffed animals. With stuffed animals. Yes. Uh-huh. His manager's the stuffed animals. And we haven't seen Cactus Jack... <laughs> Since AWA Super Clash 3. What year was that? Um, 88? Yeah, I, I guess it wasn't that... It, I mean... Episode 23. <laughs> yeah. So it's 
been a few weeks since we last saw them. But yeah, I was like, oh, I feel like we've seen Jack before, but this is the first time he's called Cactus Jack Manson. He was, he was, Cactus, he was in that match with the Guerreros. Yes, he was. Yeah, that's the only one, I guess. Yes, that's the only time we've seen him so far. Where the Guerreros just stole the goddamn show. Exactly. So, I love this line. Mm-hmm. JR says, Norman is down to 384 from 386 because he's been training for the match. That's so funny. Norman throws a teddy bear out to the crowd because who doesn't like some cheap a cheap pop? Mm-hmm. Cactus Jack attacks Norman as soon as he gets into the ring. And the lunatic is tossed to the ropes and is hit with a back elbow by Cactus Jack. Manson follows with a cover, but is tossed off to the floor by Norman. Cactus Jack is caught with a clothesline by the lunatic, but Manson catches him with a boot, slams Norman's head into the turnbuckle multiple times, but the lunatic no-sells it and delivers a headbutt. Clubbing forearms across the back, Irish whip to the turnbuckle, a back elbow and a bear hug by Norman. Cactus Jack is tossed to the corner, and the lunatic charges in, hitting a shoulder block. More tosses to corners until Manson does the flare flop over uh, the top rope to the floor. Dude, that is a nasty bump. He flips right over that. Norman follows out after, slamming Cactus's head into the apron, but Manson retaliates with an eye rake, slamming the lunatic into the guardrail. Cactus Jack charges in, but Norman back body drops him over the guardrail, to the concrete floor. Ooh. Cactus Jack showing his his cards at a young age. Lunatic then goes for a bulldog on the floor, but Manson shoves him off into the ring post. Posted. Cactus Jack hits a drop kick off the apron to the floor, clubbing forearms across the chest, and slams his head into the mat multiple times before beginning to bite Norman's forehead. We get multiple headbutts from Manson, but it seems to be working against him as he is the one being dazed from the hits. Cactus Jack then with a reverse chin lock, but the lunatic stands up with Manson on his shoulders, hitting a back suplex, goes for a splash, but Cactus moves. We get a leaping body guillotine by Manson, goes for a second one, but Norman moves, leaving Cactus Jack tangled up in the ropes. The lunatic then hits a back body drop, but Manson fires back with an eye rake and sets up for a pile driver but is hit with another back body drop that Cactus Jack tries to turn into a sunset flip. But Norman just sits down on his shoulders Ugh. for the pin and, and the win. win. We go to the back. Gordon Soley's there with Jim Cornette in the Midnight Express. And Cornette says, lots of things change, but Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express are still the greatest tag team matchup in history. And then he asks, hey, Stan, what day is it? And Lane goes, the day the music died. Oh, it's good. It's a good line, right? It's a good line. Because it's the Rock and Roll Express. Yes, it's good. I like it better than that song. I really am so over that song. So we go to our third match. The Rock and Roll Express mm-hmm. of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson versus the Midnight Express of Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton. Yes. With Jim Cornette in their corner. This is the first appearance of Rock and Roll Express since the AWA Super Clash 3 as well. Oh, really? It's been yeah. that long since we've seen the Rock and Roll Express? Yeah, they've been gone for a while. Stan Lane takes Where have the... they been? Were they been in Japan or something? I have no clue. Because they're the Rock and Roll Express. Everybody knows the Rock and Roll... Like, I, guess, I guess it has been a while. Stan Lane takes the mic to introduce Cornette. 
as the man who stole Ivana away from Trump. Yes. He's your friend and mine, Mr. Jim Cornette. And JR says, I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know he liked girls. <laughs> Match starts and Gibson's running the ropes. Playing with the leapfrog, drops to hit a monkey flip, but Robert knows Stan's moves too well. And yes. hits a fist drop. That is the story of this match, is they know each other too well. Lane's trying to intimidate the ref by shoving him, but Nick Patrick just shoves him back, which brings Cornette onto the apron to yell at the ref, poking him with his finger. So Patrick just returns the favor by poking Jim all the way down to the oh, floor. Oh, he does it, and he just like pushes down. It's very good. Cornette's heated, so he jumps back into the ring to challenge the ref to a fight. Patrick untucks his shirt, puts his fist up, but Cornette escapes to the outside quickly. The two teams finally start going after each other with Morton running the ropes. Lane attempts a body slam, but Ricky floats over, hitting an atomic drop to send Stan into Eaton, and both members of Midnight Express are on the outside. Cornette's trying to pull his two guys together, but Lane shoves Eaton to the floor. Right hands and a body slam by Stan tags in Bobby, who immediately gets arm dragged multiple times by Morton. Eaton and Ricky with a test of strength, and Morton climbs Bobby, standing on his shoulders. And as Lane starts to come into the ring, Ricky jumps off to hit Stan with a drop kick, while Gibson comes off the top rope to hit Eaton. Potentially spot of the night? Definitely. Like, he seriously climbs him. Like, he puts his foot on his thigh and climbs the man. It's crazy. Lane and Morton square up like they're going to throw punches, but Stan goes between the ropes, but Ricky just kicks him to send him out to the floor. Bobby tosses Morton to the ropes, but Cornette grabs his boot, tripping him up, and Ricky takes chase after Jim. Morton grabs Cornette's shoe, the Midnight Express having by the arms inside the ring, and we have a tug of war. Gibson finally comes in from behind to hit Eaton and Lane, causing Jim to fall into the ring. Morton hits a double noggin knocker on Midnight Express, followed by a Gibson right hand to send Cornette to the floor. A double back body drop on Eaton, double clothesline on Lane, followed by another double clothesline on Beautiful Bobby to send him to the floor. Robert with an arm drag on Stan that sends him into the rock and roll corner for him to be ping pong punched between Morton and Gibson. We get a double team back elbow by rock and roll, but Lane tosses Ricky out to the floor and follows after. Attempts to slam Morton's head into the ring post, but is reversed, so Sweet Stan gets posted. Eaton and Ricky trading blows until Morton comes flying with a crossbody that takes both men down, that takes both men over the top rope to the floor. Lane runs over and body slams Ricky on the floor, allowing beautiful Bobby to roll back in. Back in the ring, Eaton with a backbreaker, a choke, drapes Morton across the ropes where Stan comes off the ropes and jumps over Bobby with a crossbody across the back of Ricky. Cornette joins the fun by ramming his racket to the throat of Morton. It's the good shit housery. Midnight Express in complete control with a hook kick by Lane, a step toe hold followed by an elbow drop by Eaton. Beautiful Bobby hits a twisting vertical suplex and sweet mm. Stan with the power slam for near falls. Morton's crawling to the corner, but Lane kicks Gibson off the mat. But Robert jumps back into the ring to fight, but the ref gets in the way, and the Midnight Express throw Ricky to the floor, where Eaton drops Morton across the guardrail. Cornette throws a right hand, and Bobby runs Ricky into the ring post, before rolling him back into the ring. 
Cornette jumps on the apron as Lane tosses Morton to the ropes, which Ricky comes back with a sunset flip, but no count as the ref is still distracted. Stan goes for a body slam, but Morton floats over, pushes Lane towards the ropes for a schoolboy pin tip, but there is a blind tag, and Eaton comes in to hit a swinging neckbreaker. It's so everything about this is so everything's so intentional and so well calculated. Ricky comes out of the corner, charging in at Bobby, who flapjacks him into the turnbuckle. Stan tosses Morton to the ropes, ducks his head, allowing Ricky to kick him, but Eaton is right in with an arm breaker into a hammerlock. Morton escapes with some elbows, goes to run the ropes, but comes back with a double thrust to the throat from Lane. Eaton with the body slam goes to a top rope for an elbow drop, but Gibson makes the save on the penitent. Once again, Cornette joins in the fun, hitting Ricky with his racket. Midnight Express working on the arm of Morton, throwing Ricky into the turnbuckle and back to the hammerlock. Morton escapes with elbows again. Irish whips Eaton to the turnbuckle, but was so hard that Bobby stumbles backwards right into Ricky, knocking both men down. <sighs> so good. So good. Lane tosses Morton to the ropes. Ricky with a leapfrog, but is caught on the way back with a side slam. Stan then sets him up while Eaton climbs to the top rope. Midnight Express go for the rocket launcher, but Ricky gets his knees, knees up. up. Morton rolls to the corner for the hot tag. Gibson in with right hands to both men. Back body drop on Eaton. Body slam on Lane. Drop kick to Bobby. Eaton then reverses an Irish whip and charges in. But Robert jumps up and pulls Bobby over with a sunset flip. Mm. But Stan is there to break up the pin. Morton's back in to brawl with Lane. Gibson's running the ropes, but Cornette hits him with the racket, allowing Bobby to get the pin and the... No! Midnight Express go for a double-team flapjack on Robert, but Ricky spears Eaton, allowing Gibson to inside cradle Stan for the pin and the win. This match, once it got started... It starts from the top. There are a couple segments at the beginning where it drags a little. Like the whole Dick Patrick and Jim Cornette jumping in the ring. That's a, until that point ends. Yeah. That's a full five minutes. But I think that stuff's good because like the crowd is interested in it. And like I think that it's I think that it's I think it's good. It's fun storytelling. But the thing is before that, like, and it they, has got, like that, they got that, the ring, yeah. they, they they stalled. A little bit at the very beginning. Then they did that Cornette Patrick spot, mm-hmm. and then they finally got going into the match, and we had the Morton, the the Rock and Roll Express on the bottom, with Morton being beat up, yeah, for like ten minutes. Yeah, but Ricky Morton's so good, it's fine. If they had just cut like a couple minutes off of that, but it would have been much better. I can't nitpick stuff that's this good when I watch that's stuff that's so bad. That's when I nitpick stuff more. You, yeah, you nitpick more when it's like good and it could be better than when... When it's bad, I just go, this fucking sucks. It's like, this is better than like the Valentine... Garvin match. The Garvin match. And we gave that more of a pass because we didn't expect as much. But I think that... Like, I give more favor to things that are legitimately good that, like, you know, it's like, oh, they did a little too much, but, like, there is no drag for me on this match. And I think it will continue 
through the majority of the show. This is not my least favorite match on the show. That's for sure. It's not my least favorite match yeah. on the show either. Yeah, I know. I know. There's if it was, we'd be. Those are fighting words. Um, how did how did you feel about uh, old Cactus Jack Manson versus Norman? Well, that match, I was not expecting anything, <laughs> and that's pretty much what I got. Uh, you know, it was still better than I expected. But and that's not my least favorite match on on the card either. Oh, okay. So we then go to the back. Gordon Soli's there with the Road Warriors and Paul Ellering, and they have Sting armbands on. Yeah, people are wearing them on their heads through the show and shoulders. And Maybe we'll find out later what that's yeah, all yeah. It's weird they don't tell us early on enough because everybody else seems to know. We're doing it for our brother Sting. So Hawk says this, we went back to Chicago because they're going to be in a street fight. I think they call it a Chicago street fight. It's Chicago street fight. So Hawk says this, we went back to Chicago, slept in the alleys, the streets, the middle of the gutter. And what do we do? We put 16 guys in the hospital just getting psyched up for this thing. And then he tells them, tells the skyscrapers, you have a surprise for us, none for you. Same old story. We win, you lose. Solid. And our next match, the fourth one, the skyscrapers of Mean Mark Callis. Do they call him Callis or Callaway? It's Callis. Oh, okay. And the masked skyscraper with Teddy Long versus the Road Warriors of Hawk and Animal. This is my question mark face. Continue. With Paul Ellering in a Chicago street fight. Since when were the skyscrapers mean Mark Callis and the mass skyscraper? That's not the skyscrapers. We'll get to they it. They need a different title. That's not the skyscrapers. First up, Mark Callis. Yes. Better known as the Undertaker. Yes, the Dead Man. Is a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. The American Dad Ass. But this was the surprise that uh-huh. I I s- mentioned or I teased at the last after our our last WCW show. Yes. So the story behind this match was, so Vicious got hurt Mm -hmm. against the Steiners at Halloween Havoc. He's been out for, with injuries. So Teddy Long actually brought in me, Mark Callis, to be in the skyscrapers. Another big man. And they have told us that Dan Spivey Mm -hmm. is out injured. The thing is they've been like teasing the idea, like nobody believes that Spivey is out. But, kind of. I mean, he's not. He actually just left the NWA a few days before the show. Oh, okay. So they're like, oh, okay. So that's the thing. It's like, ah, but also. But he's injured because. Yeah, yeah. Because they didn't. They're trying. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I had. I, there was obviously. It was like, if he doesn't show up in this show, then I'll probably won't see him here again. So, but the skyscrapers of Spivey and Callus had mm-hmm. beaten down the Road Warriors after their match at Clash of the Champions 10. Which led to this Chicago street fight. So Clash of the Champions 10 was a television show? It was. So we didn't watch 10. We did not. Okay. Because only a couple things happened. Yeah. But nothing worth covering an yeah, entire yeah. show for. Old, old me Mark showed up there, but he also showed up here. Nothing that we can't just explain by right saying. Right now. Exactly. Yes. The mass skyscraper is actually Mike Enos, who we've seen before as well at the AWA Super Clash 3. He was actually one of the refs during that show. He had become a wrestler and was actually, at the time, the AWA World Tag Team Champion when he did this show. 
Wow. But the AWA was about to close its doors, and so therefore he was looking for work. He was a pretty, you know, pretty big looking dude for a ref. He definitely was. So the, Teddy Long takes the mic at the very beginning, starts talking, but the Road Warriors music hits, yes. and you can't understand a word that Teddy Long is saying. Yeah. But we do get. Is this the first time we've seen? Maybe not. Road Warrior or motorcycle intros? No, they've done it before. Yeah. Because they rode down to the ring on the back of a pair of motorcycles. And JR tells us the Road Warriors have never lost a Chicago street fight. Of course they haven't. We get that. That's good information. It is. Thank you. I love when announcers tell me that someone's never lost a kind of a match. <laughs> so you know what's going to happen? They're either going to win or lose. Yeah. yeah. We don't know. That's what we're here so for. Ellering gets up in the is up in the ring and he challenges Long to get in the ring himself, which Teddy does, and then charges in at Paul, who moves out of the way and then hits a roundhouse right to send Long to the floor. Everyone just Teddy takes it like a, Teddy I Long. mean yeah, yeah, I mean he takes it like Teddy Long. He sells it, but you know. He's he sells it well, but takes it like a champ. Everybody just starts brawling. Hawk with a flying shoulder block on Mean Mark. Animal with a clothesline on the masked skyscraper. Animal with an inverted atomic drop on Callus. Hawk with a big boot on the masked man. Hawk body slams. Falling fist on the mask. Animal with mounted punches in the corner on Mean Mark. All of a sudden, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed come strolling down to ringside in tuxedos. Why tuxedos? Also, like as soon as Teddy Long leaves this ring, it just turns straight brawl. Oh, yeah. It's like, you took some notes, but it's just like, you know, like three and a half minutes of chaos. Literally, I could just say, they brawled. They, they brawled. You could have said that, but you're better than that. We get a neck breaker by Hawk on Callus, but the skyscrapers start firing back with punches and kicks, slamming Animal's head on the turnbuckle. We see Simmons and Reed talking to Teddy Long. We then get Animal with a drop kick on the mask. Mean Mark with a rubber band slam on Hawk, mm-hmm. but he retaliates with a clothesline on both skyscrapers. Animal with a body slam on the mask. Hawk tosses Callus to the floor, followed by a flying clothesline off the apron. Oh, uh, it looks good. So I just noticed the banner on the stage at this point, and it's supposed to say WCW, but the C looks weird, and it does not look like a C. Are you talking about it like looks the... like a, a, a W? So Is it, it like... looks like it says Wow? The one that's like a way above on the stage in the oh, background oh okay yeah you know i saw that but it's like it's a small c there is a really good uh sign that's like high up like a cloth sign that has the number for the hotline on it which i thought was really cool but it's the it's like early wcw logo the smoke and you know not the highest quality work yeah it's like the, the i think the camera work on this show is increasingly better than you know a lot of nwa stuff Hawk with a standing drop kick on Mark on the outside, while the masked man is giving shoulder blocks to Animal on the inside. Callus drops Hawk on the guardrail, begins to choke him with the tape from around his wrist. Yeah, it's just nice because he like teases, he like pulls it off, pulls the like undoes the wrist tape and uses it. Then later in the match, he's like taking all of it off or wrapped it back on. I can't remember exactly. Funk says that he likes the name Mean, mean Mark. Mark. And I was like, it's probably because you gave it to him, Terry Funk. Oh, did Terry give him the name? He did. Yeah. Skyscrapers go for a double-team clothesline on Animal, but he ducks and comes back and hits a double clothesline of his own. Callus charges in at Hawk, who backbody drops him over the top rope to the floor. And the Warriors hit the Doomsday device on the masked Skyscraper 
for the pin and the win. So post-match, Teddy Long runs back into the ring, assuming he thought Simmons and Reed had his back. Yes. And Animal Press Slams grabs Long, press slams him, and throws him right back out on the floor, right into Simmons and Reed. Mm -hmm. Doom then takes their jackets off and gets in the ring, and the four men start brawling. A good jacket, them taking their jackets. like, oh, it's like, oh, I like Butch Reed. He didn't have any great matches we watched, but he has had potential. Same with Ron Simmons so far. Hawk then hits a power slam on Reed while Animal rams Simmons' head into the guardrail. Hawk with a back body drop to send Reed to the floor, and Simmons gets back in the ring to only be sent right back out with a clubbing forearm. And then we get JR and Funk recapping what's happened so far, and Funk is fired up for the NWA. Yeah. Yes, he puts over the NWA a lot on this. He's like, this is where you come for wrestling. What does he say? This is not a happening, it's an event. Or no... A, something like he that. He says something like that a few times. They begin to preview the championship matches to come as we have three left. Mm-hmm. And then we're right off to our fifth match. The fabulous Freebirds of Ooh. Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin versus the Z-Man <sighs> and Flying Brian Pillman. For the NWA United States Tag Team Championship. JR keeps saying that the Freebirds look like Alice Cooper. I don't think that's true. So the story behind this match is that the U.S. Tag Team Championships have been deactivated when Rick Steiner left Eddie Gilbert to team with his brother several months earlier. But the NWA decided to hold a tournament to crown new champions. And Z-Man and Pillman would have defeated the Freebirds in the final just a few weeks earlier. Oh, that sounds nice. Or the, uh, that sounds like a nice match. But we're about to get, you know, the blow-off. We're going to get the rematch. Yeah. So we see two lovely ladies come into the ring and are playing with the Freebirds hair. Yeah, they're fluffing it. And I love JR's line here, especially because I'm pretty sure he was talking about one of them in particular. That's an interesting dress. I don't know if she's trying to get in it or out of it. <laughs> She was a very attractive young lady. As the ladies are about to take the robes off the Freebirds, Z-Man and Pillman kind of push them out of the way a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very respectfully. And they, as soon as the Freebirds are about to turn around, the champions sucker punch them Uh. and deliver stereo back body drops and Z-Man with a drop kick to Garvin. Mm -hmm. Pillman and Z-Man put their jacket and robe on. The music comes on and they do a pretty good Freebirds impression. They do. It's very fun. They then start a free bird suck chant. Yes. Which goes on for pretty much the entire match. <laughs> it really does. So once everyone's finally settled into the ring, Hayes does some strutting and moonwalking. Pillman then chops at Hayes in the corner. Irish whips to the opposite turnbuckle. Charges in with the clothesline. Z-Man's running the ropes. Elite frogs Garvin. Jimmy ducks his head, but Z-Man just stops. Garvin then tosses Z-Man to the ropes and goes for a hip toss, but is blocked and reversed by the Z-Man, followed by a drop kick and goes for a second one, but Jimmy steps out of the way, forcing him to miss. Garvin tosses Z-Man to the ropes, but ducks his head, and this time Z-Man kicks him. Must be learning. (laughs) Pillman running the ropes, ducks a clothesline, and comes back with a flying crucifix pin attempt. Hayes then tries to ram Flying Brian's head into the turnbuckle but is blocked and reversed, seeing Hayes' head being slammed multiple times. 
P.S. escapes the corner with an elbow. Roundhouse right to send Pillman to the apron. Attempts to slam Brian's head again into the turnbuckle. And again, Pillman blocks and reverses. This time jumping to the top rope and coming off with a flying crossbody. Flying Brian is tossed to the ropes and ducks a clothesline and comes back with a sunset flip on Hayes. The and two an count. arm right? drag into an arm lock. Z-Man's running the ropes, ducks an elbow, but P.S. doesn't miss a clothesline on the way back. Pillman's tossed to the corner, leaps up and over a charging Garvin, hits a hip toss and a high knee. Hayes tosses Flying Brian to the ropes, slaps on a sleeper to take Pillman to the mat. Brian escapes with some elbows, tosses P.S. to the corner, and charges in for Hayes to hit a quick left jab to the face, which looked dirty. Oh yes, it looked it looked it looked like he fucking shot on him. Yeah, it looked like a real. It looks like he actually shot him in the face, and Pillman sells, sells it well. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's a nasty sound. P.S. then hits a top rope crossbody, but Pillman uses the momentum to roll over on top for a near fall. Freebirds with a double team back elbow, Garvin with a rubber band slam, and Flying Brian comes firing back with chops. Hayes takes him back down with a snap bear, but misses a falling fist. Mm. So P.S. tries to faceplant Pillman, but is blocked and reversed. Flying Brian then tosses Hayes to the ropes, ducks his head, and receives a forearm across the back. Garvin running the ropes, both men hit heads to knock them both down. Pillman's crawling to the corner for the... Hot Hot tag! Z-Man in with kicks, drop kicks, body slams, tosses Jimmy to the ropes, but ducks Mm. his head... And Garvin kicks him to stop the momentum. One much of a hot tag. It was a medium tag, a warm tag, lukewarm tag. It was the Tabasco of tags. Keep, keep, keep going. You're, you're getting. You're, you're still warmer than what it actually was. It was cold day in hell tag. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, all right. A uh, a popsicle tag. Z-Man Irish whips Hayes to the turnbuckle, climbs the ropes for mounted punches, and then slaps on the Z-Lock. What is a Z-lock? A sleeper move. Oh, okay. Just making sure. But Jimmy comes off the top rope with an axe handle to break it up. P.S. tosses Z-Man to the outside, follows to the outside, and slams his head on the apron and the ring post. Mm. Uh, What is that called? Posted. Posted. Garmin has Z-Man in a reverse chin lock for a while before Pillman finally breaks it up. But while the ref gets him out of the ring, Hayes comes in with a falling fist and locks on a headlock. Yay. Oh, why are you so mad about the headlock? Z-Man escapes with some elbows, tosses P.S. to the ropes, and hits a power slam. Goes for an elbow drop, but Hayes moves. P.S. goes to pick Z-Man up, who rolls Hayes up with a small package for a two count. Scoop slam by Garvin, followed by a knee drop. And Hayes is tagged in and locks another headlock. Z-Man escapes. Irish whips P.S. to the turnbuckle. Charges in, but Hayes hits another quick left jab. I see I see what you're doing here, Matt. P.S. goes up to the top rope and looks like Z-Man was going for a press slam, but Hayes just jumps down. Elbow drop, knee drops by P.S. Garvin in with another headlock and knocks Pillman off the mat, allowing the Freebirds to hit a double-team axe handle. Hayes hits a bulldog on Z-Man, goes for the pin, but Flying Brian breaks it up. Z-Man tosses the ropes, comes back, catches P.S. with his head down, and hits a DDT. (sighs) Crawling to the ropes, and Z-Man makes the... 
hot tag. The hotter tag? The hottest tag. This is the hotter tag. Well, I mean, if you're tagging in Brian Pillman, how can it not be a hot tag? He's pretty hot. He uh, only, he like, he. why is it that he only looks better? Every time we see him, he just looks, he's like, oh. how does getting better. How does he get, how do, no, like, he just, he's more cut, more handsome, even with the mullet. He has, he has one of the better mullets of the show. That's for sure. Pillman's in, back body drop on Garvin, multiple drop kicks to both Freebirds. Mm. The Freebirds toss flying Brian to the ropes, but Hayes misses a clothesline, and Pillman comes off the ropes with a flying double clothesline to take both the Freebirds down. <sighs> Z-Man tosses PS to the floor, Pillman with a back elbow on Garvin, but Jimmy retaliates with an eye rake, allowing Hayes to come in with the title belt. P.S. looks to hit a held Brian, but the ref gets in the way, so Jimmy throws Pillman right into a cameraman that was on the apron. Very, very well done. Like, they, it's, the, the, the camera cuts at the right spot. It's like, oh, they're trying to sell their schmas, as opposed oh, you, to telling you, us. You think this is what they were supposed to do? Who knows? I think they pulled it off okay. I think this is a botch fest at the very end of this match. Oh, okay. Continue. We'll talk about it. Garvin then grabs Z-Man, sets him up for the Brain Buster, but Brian comes flying in with a crossbody for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Post-match, Hayes hits Z-Man with a Bulldog while Garvin hits Pillman with a DDT, and the Freebirds just continue to attack Flying Brian with elbow and knee drops. So... You had Flying Brian mm-hmm. working from the bottom for about five minutes. And then he does the hot tag. And Z-Man does nothing. Yes, he, he definitely fucks that up. And then we have Z-Man being worked over for five minutes. Yes. They're like, well, now... This match went 24 minutes. We know the Freebirds aren't the... They're, they're fun to watch. Yes, yeah, but they're not. They're good characters, mm-hmm. but they are not talented wrestlers. No, they're performers and not athletes. Pillman's fun to watch. Z-Man were... Z-Man gave me more of a good vibe at the beginning of this match than he, I've ever gotten he, from well, he before. Just couldn't. he just couldn't go the distance. And they forced the distance. But do you do realize this match was the second longest match on this show? Every match on this show is the second longest match on this show. No, this is the second longest I know, match. I know. I'm just saying it feels that way. But I think I like all these matches. My issue with this, and you're going to continue to hear it, because mm-hmm. this is why I have issues with this show. Yeah. If you have... This match makes that Rock and Roll Midnight Express match look like it flew by. I, I really didn't... Because even though I dislike there being 10 minutes of... Working over Ricky Morton. I love the schmas on that match. This was even worse because you had Pillman being worked over. Yes. And then you had Z-Man being worked It's just like, it's only like, one of them needs to be worked over. Make the hot tag. Yeah, yeah. And was, then go to the finish. They did the, they did the flip-flop for sure, but I think I like this match as well. But I definitely like, you know, it's it was not the almost best like tag match It was supposed show. to be Z-Man taking, being worked over the entire time. And yeah. Pillman, for some reason, in the ring... And so they just, because a lot of the spots they did with both of them were the exact same spots. Well, yeah, I know you, like you said, they, it's like a, there's a cycle that does happen in a lot of these matches, but I think that sometimes it adds to it because we do see that cycle in long matches. But I think that 
this is still better than a bad tag match. This is still not my least favorite match on the show. Okay. I mean, well, it's still not. It's definitely not my least favorite. We've seen worse matches on the show already. We've seen a couple. Yeah, <laughs> at least two. But there, there's one you, you like. Do re- you do realize that there are issues with that match? Because no, no. I realize that there's issues issues with all the matches on the show. But I think that that all of the tag matches so every are match on the show good. I think they're all. I think they're all baseline good. Mm, I don't know if all of them. I think they're all baseline, pretty fucking like solid and intelligent, but they kind of, so a lot of them overstay their welcome or they do stupid things inside of smart ideas. But I am a fan. Let's head off to our sixth match of Ole and Arn Anderson versus the Steiner brothers. Is this your least favorite? Of Rick and Scott Steiner for the NWA World because that would Tag be crazy. Team Championship. And we see Arn come to the ring. He has the NWA World Television Championship around his waist. Yes, which I guess this is a pay-per-view, so they can't defend a television championship on a pay-per-view. Well, you can. I know, I'm just talking But he's going for the tag team. Yeah, yeah. But Brothers versus brothers. Just so you know, Arn had won it at the beginning of the year from the Great Muda. Oh, that sounds like... Well, I don't know if that's an actually fun match. Like, I have no clue. It'd be like on, who? Like it's very. It's on TV. Those are very different, uh, different guys, different styles. It'd for sure. It would be interesting to see what the what the what they attempted was. to put together. Yeah. yeah. Rick has a sign that says "Sting's Revenge," and he's like showing yes. it to everyone. And why does why is it Sting's Revenge? I guess we'll find and out. We still have, they still have not told us. Still haven't told. It us. took a while for them to tell us. Arn with a cheap shot to knock Rick off the apron locks up with Scott, who tosses double A to the ropes. And as they're ready to hit Arn, the double A bails from the ring to the outside. But Rick is right there, taps him on the shoulder, and Arn turns to get a pair of right hands before getting rolled back into the ring. This is the sound of my fist in the air. Cause it was fun. It was good. Yeah, it's great. And I you know, you know how I you know that I have my my guys. Rick Steiner's a guy of mine. Double A is Irish whipped by Scott who hits a double chokehold and mounted punches in the corner while Rick jumps in the ring to attack Ole. And the dogs are out in North Carolina. Uh, I don't know how to... How do you spell that? The dog sound we just made. Because I always write rough, but rough is like a little kid doing a dog sound. But like that's not the sound they make when they're in the ring. But I, like, I don't know how to write it out like with letters. However you want to. Or uh, like, yeah. R O U G H H H. Sure. That sounds good. That sounds, I mean, yeah. Just curious. Arn with a snapmare goes for a knee drop, but Scott catches it and turns it into an atomic drop mm. right into a boot by Rick. Ole then jumps in the ring as ping pong punched between the Steiners. Scott gives a body slam to Ole. Rick gets caught in the Anderson corner, but starts throwing punches to both Andersons to escape. And everyone's in the ring brawling until the Andersons bell to the outside. Arn tosses Rick to the ropes, goes to leapfrogging, but the gremlin catches him yes. and delivers a power slam. And could it look any better? It was pretty good. I liked it. I loved it. I almost would have liked an, if an exploder suplex was a thing back then, he would have done that instead yeah. of the power slam. But it was so good. Power slam. Yeah, deluxe. And we get some more roughs. And a two count. Double A hits a snapmare, a knee drop, goes to the top rope, but Rick is up, 
So Arn just slinks back down to the floor, starts heading up the entryway, frustrated. I wonder where he learned that. Maybe from a horseman? A fellow a, horseman? A, a fellow horseman? The Andersons start working on the left arm of Scott. Arn's tossed to the ropes, and Steiner locks on a bear hug and then delivers an inverted atomic drop. Ooh, and uh, is this where he really sells it? Like a cartoon character? Yes. Yes, it's very funny. Scott puts double A in a figure four, but Ole is there to break up the hold. Ole tries to take Scott down with a single leg, but reverses and picks Ole up for a belly-to-belly suplex. The suplexes in this match are all great. There's lots of them, and they all look incredible. The Andersons are double-teaming Rick, throwing him into the turnbuckle. And Arn attempts a suplex, but the gremlin reverses for one of his own. Yes, thank you. Ole slams Rick's head into the turnbuckle. The gremlin then slams his own head into the turnbuckle multiple times to show that his head can take the punishment. Oh my gosh, it's so fucking good. The Andersons go back to working on a limb, but on Rick this time, and Ole with a body slam and an elbow drop. Scott tosses Arn to the ropes, delivers a back elbow to send double A to the floor, and Steiner follows out, goes to slam Arn's head on the step, but was blocked, so Scott tries for a clothesline, and double A moves, causing Steiner to hit the ring post with mm. his left arm. Arn slams Scott's arm across the guardrail. Ole rams Steiner into the guardrail with a hammerlock. Andersons are working over that left arm. Of course they are. Is there anybody synonymous with like limb work? Better than the Andersons? Or just like more, more than the Andersons, really. It's like, yeah, we all know Ric Flair is going to work your leg for you know to put on the figure four but that's not like his whole deal where the andersons the whole deal is singling out a body part exactly double a with a snapmare goes to the second rope for a pump splash but scott gets his knees up arn then charges in with a clothesline but scott ducks and hits a frankensteiner <sighs> so fucking good scott crawling to the corner for the Hot tag. Rick in with right hands. Steiner line to Ole. Steiner line to double A. Uh, I just love saying Steiner line. Writing Steiner line down. Hearing people say Steiner line. More right hands, but the Andersons toss the gremlin to the ropes, but they both duck their heads, mm-hmm. allowing Rick to kick Arn and roll up Ole with an inside cradle for the pin and the win. And holy shit, is that not just like the most amazing finish? It was great. Like I it's hard to like you 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 said it out loud. I watched it. I re, I rewound the that finishing moment plenty of times. But they double the Andersons double Irish whip him. Yep. And like they're going to is it like a back elbow or a clothesline they're gonna do? They're gonna go for a back body drop. Okay, yeah, they're, they're doing a back body drop. But he seriously like kicks Arn in the gut and then like it look it's like basically he's going to ddt ole but it turns it into a roll-up yeah and it looks amazing it looks incredible it looks great jesus i love it so post-match the andersons get their heat back by attacking the steiners including ole coming off the second rope with a knee to the arm of scott trying to break it (sighs) try to break it it's an anderson thing to do Mm. We get a pre-recorded segment of Gordon Soli talking to Lex Luger earlier in the day. And Luger tells us that he's got a big case of the butterflies. Oh, yes, he does. Which is good for me, bad for Flair. Yeah, sure. 
And he says, no one gets out of the rack, and tonight you find that out. And we get J.R. and Funk previewing the main event. And then we go back to the back with Soli, who's there with Ric Flair and Woman. Yeah, when did Woman join Rick? She's She left Doom after Starcade. Okay. They, so this is the first time we've seen her with Rick. Because Doom right? went 0-3 at Starcade. Yeah, yeah. So she was like, I'm going to find me a winner. And joined up with the Four Horsemen. They're both beautifully dressed in pink. She's got like the like big sequin uh, dress on yep. and like Ric Flair is just seriously wearing like the brightest and lightest pink. Sully says that he was talking to people at ringside and they predict Flair is gonna lose. Yes, but what does Ric Flair have to say about that? So Ric Flair says, when you're standing with the most gorgeous creature on the face of this earth, and at this point I was like, is, is he talking about himself or is he talking about woman? I don't particularly find... He was talking about himself. Oh, you think so? Yeah. I don't find Brick Flair attractive, but I guess beauty is subjective. And you have been the king in this sport for ten years. Inarguably. Six times the and, champion. Yes. Then you fear no man, and you pay no attention. Does he fear no man or Norman? <laughs> Both, most likely. <laughs> and you pay no attention to anybody else's opinion. And then he lets women say something, and it's, I think Lex Luger better get his engine started. Yeah. And I was like, once again, woman. No, no, man. No. Shh. No. Uh-uh. Let's leave the talking to Ric Flair. So we're Still ha- better than a Steamboat promo, and we are fans of Steamboat. You're saying woman's better than Steamboat? Maybe, maybe with that one line. Like, that man can't talk. I'd much rather hear Steamboat talk than woman. Uh, you know it sounds bad because it's just like a blanket term for a whole gender. Her name is just woman. <laughs> woman, shut your mouth. Yeah, it's like, ooh. Yeah, not a good look. And we're off to our seventh match of Lex Luger versus Ric Flair with woman for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And there's a lot of schmas before this gets going. So the story behind this match was that coming out of Starcade, Sting was considered the number one contender because he won the he won the Iron Man tournament. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the Horsemen, because as Sting was part of the Horsemen at that time, wanted him to relinquish his title shot as Flair was champion. No need for the Horsemen to fight each other. No, of course not. But Sting wouldn't do it. So at Clash of the Champions ten, which was held a few weeks prior. The four horsemen kicked him out of the group by beating him up in the middle of the ring. Boo. So later that night, the horsemen had a six-man tag match in a cage versus Gary Hart International, which is Gary Hart managed people, basically. So it's like what? The Road Warriors and like who else? Dick Sawyer and... Oh, okay. They're Dick Slater and... People that are not the it Road Warriors. Matter. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. When you said Gary Hart International, yeah, I just like it doesn't matter. I glazed over, but I still had to ask. So during the match, Sting would run out to the ring, climb into the cage, and during the middle of the brawl, blows out his knee in real like real life. Oh, real life. Blows okay. his knee out. Luger would then stand up to the Horseman because Sting had always been a great friend to him. And he never felt he got the rematch he deserved after Starcade 88. And he was also 
the United States champion, which in the NWA was always kind of considered the number one contender for yeah, the it's world like it's title. like your IC title in WWF yes. or whatever. So, with Sting out of the way, Luger took his place in this championship match. So before the match even starts, Sting actually comes down to the ring on crutches, mm-hmm. but then he leaves. Yeah, he just like walks out, and I figured they'd like, give him the mic the or something. Like, yeah, and he just walks back. I was like, okay. But he he leaves after Luger makes his way down. Luger and Flair then have words for each other as the ref is giving them instructions. Rick does come down, and they played spotch and some fireworks, but with women. But you know, it's not any. It's no helicopter. The two men then trade hammer locks as the match starts. Oh, wait a second. It is Ric Flair's birthday, and JR lets us know that. Well, happy birthday, Rick. Yes, it's his birthday. They talk about, you know, first Starcade. We all know this. But I just had to make sure everybody knew it was his birthday. So the two men trade hammer locks to start us off. Luger shoves Flair to the mat to get us started. Luger again using his strength to knock down the Nature Boy. Flair shoves the ref. But Nick Patrick shoves him right back, letting him know he's not intimidated. It's nice to see. Like, there's some fun. The refs are fun here. They're pretty fun on this show. Natch with the Irish whip to the corner, but Lex comes right out with a clothesline to knock Flair down. And he rolls out to the floor to stall some more by walking down the entryway. But Luger follows after, picks him up, and brings him back into the ring. But Rick is up first and hits a rubber band slam on the total package. <sighs> but what does Lex, Lex do? no sells it. He really does. I think that it's so funny that he just picks him up over the shoulder like he's a small child and then gets a rubber band slam when he enters the ring. Flair's posing for the crowd, not realizing that Luger is right behind him, and when he turns, Lex poses for the nature boy. And by pose, you mean the... <sighs> like flexes Yes, in front of yeah, him. he does that, that Lex flex, fam. The total package then tosses Flair to the ropes and military presses him down to the mat on the way back. Mm. Natch running the ropes, Luger with a leapfrog, another military press. Jesus. And goes for a pin, but Flair's arm is under the ropes. Two military presses in like, what, four minutes? Ten seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it's so quick. Rick with a cheap shot to the gut, goes to chop, but Lex no-sells. I loved Flair's face. Oh. And JR's line is classic. What is JR's line? JR basically says, Look at his face. It's like, damn, I can't put him down. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what it looks like. Another press slam by Luger tosses Nature Boy to the ropes and locks on a bear hug and leans over so that Flair's shoulders are on the mat for a count. But Natch gets the shoulder up and then escapes with a right hand to the eye. Lex with mounted punches in the corner. We get the flare flop, a hip toss. Luger goes for a crossbody, but Nature Boy ducks, and the total package goes flying over the ropes to the floor. Jesus. Natch rolls out, starts attacking Lex with kicks, chops, running Luger into the guardrail. Once they're back in the ring, Flair continues with more chops and then throws Lex back out to the floor. wonder if this match is going to go a while. Uh, I think it might go a while. Woman starts distracting the ref while the nature boy slams Luger's head into the guardrail with more chops, and then Luger keeps getting back to the apron, but Flair just punches him right back to the floor. Back in the ring, Natch hits multiple snapmares, running knee drops, chops, 
but the total package starts firing back with right hands of his own. An Irish whips flare to the opposite corner, charges in, but the nature board moves out of the way, so Lex hits the turnbuckle shoulder first. Oh my god. Rick's using leverage on a hammerlock, and Luger looks like he is tapping. Yes, you know how I feel about this. We've talked about it a lot. It is the only low point of this, in my opinion, great match. The crowd's yelling at Flair, and he starts yelling back at them. Mm-hmm. Nash is in complete control, working on that arm, until Luger fires back with a clothesline. But the Nature Boy has an eye rake, and then drapes Lex over the ropes, where a woman slaps him. We get more arm work from Flair, until it looks like Luger is going to throw a punch, but the ref catches his arm, which allows a quick kick by the Nature Boy. I know, I can't believe that the ref caught a Luger arm. What? What? But I mean, it's 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 wrestling. But I'm super invested in this match. Like fucking thirty seconds into it, for the whole forty minutes. Lex is draped across the ropes again. So woman pulls on his hair. Natch locks on the hammerlock again to take Luger to the mat. A running knee drop on the arm begins to go for multiple covers with leverage, but the total package is just too strong. Lex starts choking Rick, and Irish whips him to the corner for the flare flip to the floor. Mm. Luger follows out after the Nature Boy to the floor, slamming his head on the guardrail, but is blocked. Flair then starts chopping away on Lex, but is no-sold, and Nat starts running away, but the total package stalks after him around ringside. <sighs> back in the ring, Flair reverses an Irish whip, misses a clothesline, and Lex comes back off the ropes, locking on a sleeper. Until Natch gets his foot on the rope to break the hold. Luger locks it on again, but Rick hits a belly-to-back suplex to escape this time. Flair on the apron wants the suplex Lex to the floor, but it's reversed, bringing the Nature Boy back into the ring. Luger then drags Natch over to the ring post, wraps his leg around the post. Ouch! Yes, it's good. Like, yeah, you wouldn't expect... You don't, like, he kind of teases like he's going to rack him, like, pull him straight forward, but then he does, like, the knee spot instead. Flair holding onto the ropes when the total package grabs him and flings him off into the middle of the mat. Lex then attempts to lock on a figure four. Poorly. Holy crap, does it look bad. Has he ever done the move? No, and it, yeah. Even practiced putting it on. Like I said, there's, like, two bad things in this whole match. That's one of them, but I think that... It that works in the match. The tapping thing is a huge pet peeve of mine, so it's different. But the Nature Boy escapes and pokes Luger in the eyes. We get chops by Flair. Luger should be blind by the end of this match, right? Coming off the ropes, the two men fall to the mat. Nature Boy comes off the ropes again, but Lex with a power slam this time for a near fall. Luger's no selling chops and a flare forearm, so Nature Boy rolls to the outside where Lex follows after. To receive a thumb to the eye. Mm. Back in the ring, Natch goes for a hip toss that is blocked, and Luger reverses into a backslide pin attempt for a two count. More mounted punches until Flair hits an inverted atomic drop. Rick heads to the top rope, comes off with a flying single sledge, and does it once more for good measure. Makes the cover, but a kick out by Lex. Butterfly suplex for a near fall, then Nature Boy jumps on Luger's back, with a sleeper 
the taking to the mat. Oh, I love the, like, you know, like said a sleeper earlier, and then it's like, oh, Ric Flair, obviously smaller man, but it's like him on the back. Just, uh, that's, that's the fun shit that you can do in a long match. Literally, and it does, and it's not dumb. It's not dumb at yeah. all. Yeah. It's like in a five minute, eight minute match, it's dumb and corny, but here it's not. Lex begins to mount a comeback, but Rick shoves him to the corner and tries for a small package for a two count. Desperation clothesline by Luger attempts a jumping elbow drop, but Natch moves. Chops multiple shin breakers. Flair drapes Lex's leg across the ropes and dropping his weight across it. Yeah, he does those 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 shin breakers that look amazing, but it's obviously he's finally setting up for the figure four 30 minutes into the match or whatever. We get a running knee drop, hooks on the figure four, and starts grabbing the top rope for leverage. Hell yeah, he does. The crowd is going crazy because Sting is making his way back out to ringside. Luger finally is able to roll over the figure four and makes it to the ropes for the hold to be released. Sting then grabs Lex by the ears and yells at him, Wake up! Come on and kick his you-know-what! Yes, his you-know-what, Sting. And then slaps him to motivate. It's so good that slap is good. Flair with chops, but Luger no-sells, and he begins stalking the nature boy to the floor, where Natch tosses the total package into the guardrail, but Lex no-sells it. Yes, because he was just, uh, you know, slapped by uh, a handsome man that everybody loves. Back in the ring, Luger with another military press, but Rick with a poke to the <sighs> eyes and goes to the top rope, but Lex is there for a press slam and multiple clotheslines that end up knocking Flair to the floor. Vertical suplex to bring Nature Boy back into the ring, hits a power slam, and calls for the torture rack, but goes for the cover first, near the ropes, where Woman slaps Luger once again. Uh, Woman! Lex goes after Woman, grabbing her and pulling her up to the apron. Flair runs in from behind with a high knee, driving Luger into the ref. Ref bump. More no-sold chops than Lex goes for mounted punches, Irish whip into a flare flip, but Rick stays on the apron this time and runs to the next turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. It's he- the it's the successful flare flip, I guess. Like, what do you... I guess so, Sometimes yeah. he goes to the floor, sometimes he runs to that corner, but like... He climbs up and comes off, but Luger catches him with a clothesline, mm. goes for the pin, but the ref is still down. <sighs> And it's like a seven count. Something like that. Yeah, it like goes on forever. The total package places the nature boy on the top rope, climbs up, hits a superplex. Ugh, incredible. Again goes for the pin. Again, no ref. It's beautifully frustrating. The Andersons run into the ring. Lex is giving them both clotheslines to knock them both out. Luger gets Flair up into the torture rack. And the ref is finally up. On the outside, Arn grabs Sting. <sighs> Ole grabs the crutches. <sighs> Luger lets Flair go and goes to the outside to save his friend. Because baby gotta do what baby gotta do. Gotta save your friends. Oh my gosh. It's... The Andersons were attacking you, Michael. Uh, I'd like to think that I you would, would still, try to help. I would still win the match. What, yeah. Oh, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> That's it's all it's all predetermined, said, Matthew. It's the story we're, we're wait, telling. I told Edit you that, that out. Beat I that told out. you that one last episode. Uh, I know, but I still, I only remember the things that I like. 
Lex is out there just attacking the Andersons left and right. And the ref makes the 10 count for the count out. And it's shot so very well. Like you can see the ref. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want it to end in like yeah, you a smog. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, he's like, fuck no. And he's like, he's like, eight. Yeah, he's like shaking his head and he like holds. Like, I don't want to do it. Yeah, he does a really good job. Ten. Uh, you know what's crazy is it ends in a schmoz, but it doesn't stop me from uh, thinking that this match is incredible. It's a pretty good match. There's some there's some issues, which you've mentioned as we've gone along. Yeah, but I think. Post-match, the horsemen continue the attack on Luger. Sting tries to hit them with his crutch. And then the Steiners come running down to the ring. Yeah, of course they do. And the horsemen head back to the locker room. Yeah. And it's kind of a quick one from there. So we get JR and Funk recapping the match. They say their goodbyes. And then the credits roll with a highlight photo package in the background. Mm -hmm. I'm not mad about the DQ. Honestly... I like the show more than you do. So Michael we'll Temple, there. we'll get there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What are your overall thoughts of Wrestle War '90? I think it's an incredible show. How far are you ranking it up on the list for yourself? It is as like okay for wrestling like, classic good. I think that in ring it is one of the best shows we've watched. Like. From beginning to end. Great American Bash 89 good? I think the show is... Like, the matches are long, and there's stuff, but I think that, like, in-ring psychology is flawed at points for sure, and over they overdo some things at some points, but I think that it is a tighter, better shot wrestling show than a lot of the shows that we've watched. I would put it, like, I don't know, like, there's matches that I love and will probably go back and watch more than these, but I think beginning to end, this is a this is a really great show. I really like this show. So five of the seven matches were tag matches. And that would normally be a problem with me, but I think they're all smart tag matches to an extent, smarter than most tag matches we see. Smarter than a lot of singles matches we see. While the majority of them had good parts. Yes. Most just went way too long. To the point that when the Andersons started working over limbs, mm-hmm. which I love. Yes, it was too late for that's, you. That's one, I, that's one of my favorite things about Anderson. I liked it because they were held down so Great. early in the match that when they finally started to do I, it, I'll I, even, I got I'll even it. let you know. Yeah. That is my favorite match on this card. That's your favorite match? Even more than the... You like Even it? more than the main event. Oh, I love the main event. But by the time we got to that point, I was rolling my eyes because I was just like, this is just way too much. Yeah, the show is all, all excess. It's the but same thing, just... Every match. I think that maybe the way that I watched it, because I didn't watch it all in one sitting, that may have helped. I didn't either. Really? I really like. I really liked it. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like I was like, I'm not man. saying this was a horrible show. It was not the not, most. Like, I am yeah. not. It's not. You anywhere, can't call it a horrible. It's show. It's not anywhere crazy. near the bottom. I mean, you have a show with Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express, the Andersons, the Steiner Brothers. 
Ric Flair and Lex Luger. I get it. Yeah. There, like I said, there are there is lots of good. Yeah, yeah. And like I said earlier, when there's good stuff, I think that's when I feel like nitpicking more because I just want it to be just a tad bit better. See, yeah, yeah, I come, I'm, I kind of. I obviously do that a little bit differently because I'm here excited and you're like, oh, this there's really great stuff here. Like this has potential, but I'm like, this has, this is this this, this is this is feeding. This, this, this me is a lot. potential. This reminds me a lot. This of, is beyond I don't potential. Which episode it was? But there was a show that you really really liked, and you did not like it all. And I did We're, not. This like is more it. in between. But I think a lot of it was just because it should have been good. Yeah, should have been better. You mean? And it should have been. Well, I think that one should have been good, and <laughs> yeah. you really liked it. Yeah. This one, I feel like it should have just been better. Well, it's kind of weird because like, there's plenty of things where you're like, oh, this guy's really good, but when he doesn't, when, when it's not as good as you think it should have been, you're harder on it than when it's just like not good at all. But it was fun. I mean, but I'm like, I completely but I, don't like a show. I'll let you know because I told you all about Don't Get Stamped. Yeah, well, yeah, we feel it. the same way about that. But like, I like, I like f- good shit, but I also like fun shit that's bad. I don't feel like there was any fun shit that was bad. There was n- there was good stuff that overdid itself, but there was no like, there was no like the Norman thing was whack, but it was nice to see Cactus Jack Manson, and it was. Short. It was fine. What was the last thing you said? It was short. And it was. It fine. was short. But the th- but that match doesn't need to go very long. No. There's other matches on this show that don't need to go as long as they went. I agree, but my argument would be that like, like I'm okay with. Fl- Here's the thing. I'm okay with Flair and Luger well, yeah. going 40 minutes. If you argue that, then the- then then I'm breaking up with you. Pillman, Pillman Z Man, Freebirds match, 24 minutes. But my. Let me keep going. Okay. The Express match? Yes. 19 minutes. Okay? Both good. One okay. better than the other, obviously. The Anderson's Stein, uh, Anderson Steiner's match? 16 minutes. Great. The perfect length for that match. Was 16 minutes. But when you look at it compared to the Express at 19 minutes mm-hmm. and that other tag match of the for the U.S. The tag, yeah. 24 minutes. Why the heck is that match going 24 minutes when you have these other two matches with great tag teams? Well, be because the other two guys are, you know, actual tag teams and been doing it for longer. So that's a thing. But my my thing is like, okay, my argument to you saying it's too long, which I don't disagree, but would you rather have seven matches that are good or 12 matches that are like squashes and a complete waste of your time? Or like completely ancillary. Well, I'd rather have this seven the same matches. The show. I'd rather have seven matches that are good. And I think that there was but I, I only got like good. 3 in the show. You only got 3 good matches? I feel like that the only like not so great ones were Norman and Cactus and like the Road Warriors one was just a spectacle. That Road Warriors skyscraper match was awful. It was awful, but it was just spectacle, but it was fun for the crowd. It was good for the crowd. It it had its place. The Norman one had less of a place, but obviously the crowd was into Norman. You can't I mean, deny that. One of that. my favorite moments of the entire show is in that Cactus Jack match. So I'm going to give it. I, well, I, I like it. Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed that more than 
the Road Warriors match for sure. Yeah, that Road Warriors match. The biggest was... pop I got out of the Road Warriors match, obviously, was the Teddy Long well, thing. Well, Teddy Long, but it was seeing. No, I didn't know that fucking Undertaker was going to show up. Uh, so yeah. I was like, oh crap! All right, we are slightly divided on this show. Slightly. Slightly. Like, I mean, you'd still think it's better I mean, than a lot we, of... Most of these matches are still better than a lot of matches we watched. I, I would put it as a middle-of-the-road show. Really? I mean, I would tell people to watch probably the Anderson-Steiners match. I think the Lex match is great. I love the Lex match. I mean, there's stuff in that Lex-Flair match that I feel is a little lacking. I honestly think that Lex-Flair match continues my Flair 89 love. I think I I mean mean, it does, but I think that it I think that it continues the tradition that we've had with amazing flair matches, and I think that like somebody could tell me that that was their favorite of this like you know year. This is obviously 1990, but it's early 1990. But of the last you know 89 to now, if somebody could tell me that was their favorite, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would not challenge them on it and be like, "Yo, that was good. I was excited." It's not even in Flair's top five. Yes, I don't think that it is the top either. But it's I not think even in my. It's not even my favorite Luger match. You like this? I love this match. I don't know. It's good, but I do have a uh, upsetting question. Ask away. I know you love Lex Luger, right? I enjoy him. You're, you're a Luger fan. I am. You like the torture rack? Torture rack was always one of my favorite. Luger finishers. early '90s good. After that. Like, how was he in, like, 96? Pretty ancillary at that point. Uh, doped up on drugs? Yes. So, this feeds into my question. Do you love Lex even though he killed Miss Elizabeth? Which is a really shitty question and not actually, not particularly true, but... No comment. Okay. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right, fuck you. I think it's time for us to smart it up. So, best moments of the night. I'm going got... to start it off. Okay. The back body drop of Cactus Jack onto the concrete floor. Yes. That was like, it was like a preview of hardcore moments to be. Correct? Correct. It was like, oh shit. It, it really did. It was kind of like the, it was kind of like Terry Funk showing up in the NWA and dropping Ric Flair on his head. But it was a little bit more... It was definitely more a smaller moment, easily, because it's not, you know, Ric Flair and Terry Funk, but it was like, oh, like it was brutal without it being blading, which we saw a lot of blading for a while early on. How about Johnny Ace jumping in the corner to soften the blow? Honestly? I mean, we mentioned it earlier. Uh, one of my favorite spots, honestly, that's top five spots of the night, because it's just so weird and innovative. I imagine you'll bring up potentially my favorite one well obviously ricky morton doing the crawling up the body and then oh jumping yes. off the shoulders mm, yeah. for the drop kick that's potentially number one or two what other moment are you talking about rick steiner's finish for the match against the andersons was fucking gorgeous Oh, off the ropes, off gut the ropes kick, gut kick to one, cradle. and then like the, grabs him for like you know the DDT style cradle roll. How about most disappointing on this show? Shit, what was the first match? That tells you a whole lot about it. No, it was come Sullivan on. and Sullivan and Sawyer versus the Dynamic Dudes. 
Dynamic dudes were good. That I match. Mean, we we said that that was a fun match. And it was I like it. It was a good match to start. start the show. But it's there wasn't anything. It, in it that, that match was that match can't be awesome. memorable on a show that's all tag matches. No, it cannot be. So like, it's not bad in a show that had two tag matches. We could bring up moments, but you can't bring up moments for a show that's all tag matches with better tag teams. And it's not that the dynamic dudes aren't great and aren't good, but these guys are more tenured. They've been around longer. I could probably, most disappointing, I could probably count how many actual wrestling moves were done in the Road Warriors skyscrapers match. I mean, I, mean, I think. I know yeah. it was a street fight. But Still, at the same that, time, even, it's just even like, though, I think that's easily the. Such a waste of time. That is the especially, most. Especially since once Dan Spivey left. Yeah. Just like, like give just, up the ghost. Just cancel the. Cancel the match. Yeah. Like. It was the least interesting match on the whole show. It was also the shortest match on the whole show. And maybe that's why the other yeah, matches went long. Longer. It's, it's That's possible. I, I guess I can see that. Because, like, if it was, you know, Dan Spivey and... Uh, oh, me and Mark. And, yeah, I mean, Mark versus the Road Warriors, it may have been a different match. And maybe those 26 minutes or 24 minutes or whatever would have been pared down and maybe we wouldn't have had those moments where it's like, oh, we did that spot again, you know, two minutes after we just did that spot. I mean, you, you brought it up, but that's another disappointing thing. I've mentioned it just the in that U.S. tag match. Yeah. The, the whole, we're working over this guy. He's going to make the hot tag and then it's like, okay, now we're going to work over this guy. And, yeah, it was, yeah. and it was just repeating his spots. It was, and then the finish, like, but I, don't I feel know, like I don't, I don't even... know. I, the cameraman may have just been in the wrong spot, dude. I don't know. It looked so. But good. I feel like it was a. I think it was a botch of some you think sort. So? Yeah. I don't know. I really enjoyed this show. I don't think that this show is by any means a good way to introduce somebody to wrestling. But I think that no. if you've been doing what Matt and I have been doing, I think that this show was very enjoyable for me and i still watched it in like you know four or five sittings and it i we were my notes were entirely too intense because i felt like that everything that happened mattered there was no i feel like everybody was kind of bizarrely in sync there was no pushing for time it didn't feel like pushing for time even when they ran spots back through they still did them impeccably well like the performance in ring, whether or not you like the way the matches were designed, the performance in ring by everybody was everybody was kind of at the top of their game, and I could feel it, and I enjoyed that. How about best performer of the night? That's pretty rough. You know that I have a specific love for Rick Steiner, but I think that obviously Ric Flair wins. I think Lex isn't far behind him. I was going to agree with you on Rick Steiner. Yeah, Rick Steiner was great. Like this, like I said earlier, Steiner-Anderson match, my favorite match. Yeah, I was like, I know you like the Steiners. I know you don't care for Rick Steiner promos like I do. But you under you understand the character, you know, yeah, the I same way everybody else does. And he obviously reaches that crowd for good reason. I'm a dog face, dog face man. And they don't even call him the dog face gremlin anymore. I do. I mean, yeah, he is dog face gremlin. In my heart. And most surprising, I mean, the obvious ones, that yeah. Undertaker shows up. Yes. Mean mean Mark? Mad Mark? Mean, mean Mark, Mark Callis. Callis. And, then, uh, and then I wasn't expecting 
Cactus Jack to show up. Do they call him Cactus Jack Manson? Manson. Or in the, no, in the first time we saw him? I think he was no, just they Cactus just called him Cactus Jack. Yeah. Then. The Manson thing was kind of like cheesy. I was like, I didn't know that he was ever called that. I mean, They didn't say that on my Three Faces of Foley VHS tape as a kid. Surprising is that things hurt. And we were going to get a Sting Flare batch, but... Yeah. I think this was a... This was incredible. I think it was, it was a good match. match. It was a good match. There was there was issues, but yes, it was a good match. But I'm not even mad about the like Schmaz ending. I feel like that this like a, if it was Flair Sting, I couldn't honestly and well, confidently say that it would be better than what we watched. Here's the thing. It, it may I have think, not have been. I as think good. they went with this finish on that match because No, it L- all makes L- sense. Luger was technically a heel. Until Sting hurt himself. Yeah, yeah. And so trying to still get... No, this is the first Luger babyface. Still trying to get Luger to fully integrated into his face persona that they've been working like last two weeks, basically. But they killed it, But as far as that goes. Him saving Sting basically seals the mm-hmm. deal that he's, he's a face. After a 40-minute match, and he like obviously had the title in hands. That's the way they put it. Put it out he to gave you. up the title to help, help his, his friend. friend. Yeah, so I think I think it was I incredible. Get, I get the storytelling behind the ending, and I'm not even mad about the ending. No, you shouldn't the be. The ending is not the issue I have with the match. Yeah, it's, there's just other issues that it didn't to, flow as well. It for didn't you. flow for me. See, for me, it was you almost had small little issues. It was it. all too. It was almost too packed with content where I needed a little bit of breath. I mean, the show was. Almost three hours long, literally could have cut about 15 minutes off the show, and I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. Basically, the Road Warriors match in three minutes from the 24-minute tag. That's what you're saying. I'd say 10 minutes. But the thing is, like, this show doesn't do as much backstage stuff. It's, like, seriously straight to each match. Yeah. So it's like, this is a pure wrestling show. It is definitely a pure wrestling Uh, show. We have gone off on this one, but for, we, you know, we have different opinions about it. That's a good thing. And now for a look back even further into their history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Luthez, in his third reign as NWA World Heavyweight Champion, lasted almost three years to the day. But on January 7th, 1966, Gene Kanitsky would defeat Thez in St. Louis, Missouri. Gene Kanitsky, born in 1928 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, he would play football for the Edmonton Eskimos in the Canadian Football League for one year before suffering a torn kneecap. He would retire from football and move into wrestling. Kanitsky would make his professional debut in 1952 in Arizona and would win his first major championship a year later in Los Angeles. As an emerging talent, he wrestled Luthez in 1954, losing in two straight falls. Kanitsky would continue his growth, moving from territory to territory, winning different titles, pushing his exposure to the top of the NWA ranks. The pinnacle, though, would be the victory over Thez in 66 to become the ninth NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Gene Kanitsky would hold the title for over three years, making trips to Honolulu, Tokyo, and Los Angeles to defend his title. He would be inducted into the NWA Professional Wrestling and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fames for his accomplishments. Next week, the what? granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania 6. Oh, hopefully we get 
three warrior promos. I hope the whole show is a warrior promo. Honestly, I think that a warrior and TED talk match. could be a thing that I could watch. <laughs> that would be very interesting. <laughs> but we're looking forward to a little Hogan Warrior. Yeah, I mean... Music from this week's show is the theme song from Wrestle War, which you heard at the beginning of the show, yes. and is possibly one of the greatest things. Honestly, think I think, Matt, you should play it twice in a row. It's 30 seconds long, and it's worth it. I just might do that. I watched it three times before the show even started. Because you even texted me, you're like, you're going to love this intro. And I was like, yeah, I probably will. Matt knows me well enough. And then I was like, oh, okay. It's better than I thought it was going to be. And then Ric Flair won our main event, so of course it's time for... Spatch Zarathustra by Strauss. Go out there to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you find your podcast at. Rate and review us. Give us those five stars. Let other people know what you think of this show. Five stars or no stars. Like the band said. We will be your wrestling friend. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us out in the Twitterverse. Just tweet away, just whatever, at wrestlinghistoryx. That's wrestling, H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.